We're in the book of Revelation tonight, chapter 4, and the reason I mention that is when in question about anything in the book of Revelation, and I could say this and should say this about any passage of Scripture, when in question about any passage of Scripture, read Revelation 1.1. Let's read that together tonight. I was in my study about to pull my hair out. And uh, it just struck me. Read Revelation 1.1. This is the key to the book. This is the key to the book of Revelation. This is the key to the 65 books that precede the book of Revelation. This verse of scripture straightens up a lot of thinking. Now the religious world and the world have a lot to think about God and about Christ and about his word. But this is the key right here. Revelation 1.1. The revelation, the revealing, the opening up. As we mentioned when we started this book, that verse of scripture has the word revelation. And so often that word is as posed as a problem word. Apocalypse, end of the world, war, and all that stuff. And yet that word is translated in one place, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And so it has nothing to do with the end of the world. It has nothing to do with wars and rumors of wars. It has nothing to do with conflicts. It has everything to do with the revelation of Jesus Christ, the light to lighten. The only lighten that we'll ever get is the light the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual things. We may learn a lot in school. I appreciate what... A preacher told me, go to college and learn who discovered America and get into a church and learn about Christ. Because you're not going to learn that in, in college. You're going to find out how to do all sorts of things, teach and practice medicine and all, all sorts of things. But you'll never learn Christ in a college. Now, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to our scripture reading over in the fourth chapter tonight. As we look at this passage of scripture and we see this great sea of glass, clear as crystal. I'll never forget an experiment in chemistry. This teacher in high school brought out a vial, a test tube full of clear material. Now, I couldn't tell you what it is. And he took an eyedropper of this red material. And he dropped the eyedropper of red material into this clear material. And the clear material absorbed the red and it was all clear. Now I says, whoa, that is interesting. Now this crystal, this sea of glass, clear as crystal, has a, a wonderful picture with regard to a fountain that is prepared for the sins of God's people. And this fountain is not made contaminated by the sins of God's people. It continues to be clean and clear because our sins are put away as far as the east is from the west. It doesn't contaminate. It is paid for in full, complete, 
There is no reminder anymore of the sins of God's people. And read with me here in Revelation chapter 4, beginning with verse 6. This statement is made about this fountain, this, this sea of glass. It says in verse 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. It is see-through. It is the peer of the peer. Uh, whenever we're talking about God, we're talking about the holy of the holies. It's no wonder he had that place named in the tabernacle and in the temple, the holy of holies. It's the highest holy. And here we see about our God that in every aspect, he is the holy of the holies. We may have holiness, but it is only because of his holiness we have any. And he said, be ye holy as I am holy. Now, we don't have that on ourselves. We don't have it on our own. We can't approach that holiness, but he appropriates his holiness to us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we become pure and holy in the eyes of Almighty God. And this crystal clean, pure uh, uh, sea of glass, this uh, as clear as crystal, has absorbed and taken care of and paid for and continually taken care of of all the wretched sins of all God's people. And yet you look into it and it is still just as clear as crystal. There's no reminder. There's nothing there but continuous clear crystal. Now, turn with me if you would back to the book of 1 Kings chapter 7. So we think about this. There's a sea mentioned here in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 7. As Solomon, king of Israel, uh, came to power upon the death of his father, and it was such a tremendous reign. During his reign, there was not one enemy that attacked the borders of Israel. Now that's significant. That shares a whole lot about the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he is reigning, not one enemy can strike the borders of his kingdom. We are in complete protection of this great king. Now, he was authorized to build the temple, and he did, and he used uh, many, many talented people that God gave the ability to build that temple. Now, there was something outside of that temple, and in the book of Chronicles, it tells about Babylon coming down and breaking this up and hauling it back to Babylon. And that's this great brazen sea. It was huge, and it balanced upon four, three in every direction, excuse me, 12 cattle, oxen, balanced on their backs. And the width of that at the top was the hand breadth. And it's, it's just huge. It's, uh, it's 15 feet across and 5 feet deep. And it says it held 2,000 baths of water. Now, I've tried to find out what a bath means, and there's a lot of assumption about what it means, but some people say it's between eight and 14,000 gallons. Huge. Lots of water. And this brazen sea represents, well, let's just, let's read this first, and then we'll go on. First, first Kings chapter 7. This sea is, this is a picture of that sea we saw in the book of Revelation, a fountain. It's typical, and it pictures Christ. He's the revelation. Everything is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this sea 
is a wonderful picture of it. And here we have Solomon commissioning the casting of this great, great, huge labor. See, it's uh, 45 feet around the top of it. And it's 15 feet across. It's five feet deep. And it's just, it's gargantuous. In fact, when they hauled it off, it says it was brass without measure. That's how the Babylonians termed it. It's brass without measure. Tons of brass used in the casting of this. Now here in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 23, the scriptures share this about this great sea. It says, 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 23, and he made a molten sea. Ten cubits from one brim to the other, and was round all about, and its height was five cubits, and the line of thirty cubits did compass it round about. Excuse me, it's seven and a half feet high instead of five feet, it's five cubits, and it's thirty cubits around, and under the brim of it, round about, there were knops compassing it, ten and a cubit compassing the sea round about, and the knops were cast in two rows when it was cast. And it stood upon eleven ox, excuse me, twelve oxen, three looking toward the north, and three looking toward the west, and three looking toward the south, and three looking toward the east. And the sea was set upon them, and all their hinder parts were inward. And it was a handbreadth thick, and the brim thereof was wrought like a brim of a cup, with flowers of lilies, and it contained two thousand baths. And over in the book of First Chronicles, it says that it was contained three thousand, and one of them is. Close to the top, and the other one is brimming full. Huge sea. Now, this is a, a representation of a fountain that God provides to wash the sins of his people. It's just one typical statement about it. And we find that it was of brass, and the judgment of God had to pass upon his son in order for this fountain to be open for use. God's judgment upon his son opened a fountain, and if we sing about it, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and plunged beneath that, the sinner loses all his guilty stains. Now, this is a picture. Now, turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Zechariah. Book of Zechariah, pictures throughout the Old Testament, places of washing, places of cleansing, brazen labors, this huge sea of brass that was made. And I think it's interesting that these oxen that supported all the directions of the compass, and this is open to every kindred, people, and tongue out of all the world. It was appropriated to them through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we find in the book of Revelation, it's out, kindred, out of, out of. Didn't say he's going to save them all. He's going to save out of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue. Now here in the book of Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah chapter 13. We find this is looked at in a spiritual sense. Zechariah was used to write of a fountain. And it's opened Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah 13, verse 1. We read about this. An amazing part about it is he can wash all his lost sheep, and there's not a stain left. You can't look. 
Now you and I, I've come home and showered and had to kick the water so it'd go down the drain. <laughs> it's been dirty, depending on what I've been doing. But all of this great sea, this sea of glass, clear as crystal, this fountain that we're going to read about here, it says in verse 1, That day there should be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. There is a fountain filled with blood. And it is no dirtier for use than it was before it was ever used. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ before eternity began in the promise of the coming of the Messiah. That blood was as pure before as after washing us from our sins and loosing us from our sins in his own blood. It is so, it's such an agent that it takes care of our sin completely and there's, you can look through that fountain and see no spot of sin. There's not even a scum around the edge. It's just as clear as glass. I like it when I find out things about how much God took care of my sin in the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ and that I will not stand before God and give answer for sin. If we have to answer for one sin, we're going to be damned there because we have no way of taking care of just one sin, one lie sin, one white lie sin, one just teasing lie, white lie sin. We have no way of taking care of that. Not alone all the great ones. So the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's a fountain. There's a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. Now this washing is mentioned throughout the scriptures in a spiritual sense. Back up with me to the Psalms, if you would. Psalm 51, we find David is praying to God. And in this Psalm, Psalm 51, he mentions being washed and cleansed and how valuable this is. This fountain, this sea of like glass, clear as crystal, with all the sins of all his people taken care of by his precious blood, it is no worse for the wear. Still holy, holy, holy. Still clean as a crystal. How well. He has taken care of what he promised he would take care of. How well he has taken care of the sins of his people. He came out of that bath still the Son of God. He came out of that bath still the Lord God Almighty. He came out of that bath still the one that could sit down beside the right hand of the Father in glory and be accepted completely and totally as the one that left in the covenant of grace and came born of a virgin and lived those 33 and a half years upon this earth and laid down his life for ransom for many and came out of that tomb victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave and could sit down. He went through the bath and came out just as pure and holy as he went in and as he went in he took the sins of all his people with him and it came out as clear as glass it was completely the sin of god's people was completely taken care of and you can peer into this sea of glass you can peer into this great sea this blood-filled sea 
and you'll not see sin. All you'll see is the very person of Christ Jesus the Lord and his success in dealing with the problem that came as a result of Adam's fall in the Garden of Eden. And we stand complete. Notice here in the book of Psalms, Psalm 51, verse 2. Psalm 51 and verse 2. This great prayer of David and the great prayer of the church. This is our prayer. Well, he's not the only one that ever sinned. Great prayer of the church. He says here, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Plunge me. Take me down. Uh, that, that baptism that God has, the ordinance of baptism, it's a picture. It's a picture. We don't gain any grace. It's not meritorious in any way. But it is a picture of being plunged in a fountain, taken completely under, and washed thoroughly. And this is what Christ does, as he says here in Psalm 51, and there in verse 2, wash me thoroughly. And then in verse 7 it says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. What happened to the, the contamination that was on us and in us when he washed us? Absorbed in the blood of the Lamb. Victorious. Every sin, every whit of sin, every smell of sin taken care of in the blood of the Lamb. And now gaze upon this before the throne of grace. Jesus Christ sitting on his throne, this great sea sitting out in front of him says, Look, not one sin can be seen. It's all taken care of. And the church is going to bow down and say, Lord God Almighty. That's what those four and twenty elders are going to do in just a moment. Oh, praise him for a clean sea. Praise him for a sea as clear as crystal because he's taken care of all our sin. The preachers that get up in the pulpits on Sunday and say you're going to have to answer for that sin are making a mockery of the fountain of the living God. You're going to have to answer for that. You're going to have to answer for what you did last night. You're going to have to answer for that what you did. My goodness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. And when it's finished, we'll be able to look and see it's clear as crystal. No, no sin. Not even hiding along the edges where the fish are. It's just clear as crystal. Isaiah 1.18. Turn with me. Uh, to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Look at this verse of scripture with me as we think about this sea, great sea, clear as crystal. It's there before the throne of grace. It's for the church's benefit. It doesn't have to be for God's benefit. He knew what he was going to do. It's for our benefit. Come up and look in. Come and look at Christ. See how effectually he took care of the issue Look how greatly he overcame sin. Gaze upon the sea. It's clear as crystal. I've washed you thoroughly. I've taken you down. I've scrubbed you in the blood. I've loosed you from all sin in the blood of the Lamb. That's what we read in Revelation chapter 1. And here it is, just as clear as... We hear people say, oh, you ought to have been down in those islands. You could see 400 feet down. This is clearer than that. You can see the bottom. There's nothing to inhibit looking to the bottom of this fountain because there's nothing in it.
to stop our sight. Nothing. Everything is taken care of. All right. Isaiah 118. Scriptures share this. <clears throat> Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's a promise God made to the church by the prophet Isaiah. He just got through saying, you guys, you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And now he says, let's talk about Christ. Let's talk about him. Let's get to the important things. Don't spend your life concerned about being from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. Let's reason about this. Though your sins be like that, they shall be white. They shall be clean. They, and you will not see them in this great fountain that God has provided to wash all his people in. There's not going to be dirt in it. Oh, my mother had a washing machine and dad got her. It was a sud saver. You washed your, your least dirty clothes. And then it put this water in a tub and then it brought it back in and then you wash your dirty clothes in it. Well, you're washing your clothes in dirty water. <laughs> That's not what Christ does. He didn't have a sud saver on the washing machine. He washes us in his own blood. And it's as clear as crystal. Without spot or without blemish. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel. 36, Ezekiel 36, as we look at this great sea, and it's just as clear as a crystal. You can look right through it. Pure, pure, pure. Nothing to inhibit. There's, you buy binoculars, and they say, well, it will transmit 85% of light. <laughs> oh, you, get a, you pay more. You get one that transmits 90% light. You pay a lot more, and you can get one that pays 97% light. Now you're paying $1,000 for some glass that will allow 97% of the light to pass through. It's clear. Oh, my goodness. This is without price. He washes us in his own blood, and that without price doesn't cost us anything. We couldn't pay if it did. All right, Isaiah, or excuse me, Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, 25. It says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Woo! <laughs> He's taking care of it. All our filthiness and all our idols. I don't know how many times I went to church and on the way, Mom got a hold of my ear. <laughs> you know, washed everything but the ears, and she had to take care of that on the way to church. Went behind the ear and in the ear. God doesn't have to take care of us that way. He does it in one fell swoop with his blood. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. As we look at this great theme found in the scriptures about the efficacy of the blood of Christ. I, when someone says, you're going to have to answer for that, they're putting just very little value on the blood of Christ. Someone says, you're going to have to pay for your sin. When they talk about having to go to some place in between heaven and hell, 
and you have to pay off. The efficacy of the blood of Christ is just barely. It's hardly any value. And God's people have said it's all value because it has washed me from my sin and cleansed me and made me presentable or I won't be presentable. It is all and in all. It's everything. Here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We find the apostle Paul, a secretary, writing to the saints at Corinth about an issue that's important to them as well as it is to us. I was talking to Dwayne today. <laughs> Had a great time. And he brought up about, we don't have any Jeremiah's today like there was in that day. Now, I was thinking about that. We do. We got Jeremiah. That's all we got. We don't have no prophet like Jeremiah, but we got Jeremiah. He's saying the same thing today as he was then. And Isaiah is too. We not, may not have a spokesman like that in our country, but we got the word of God, and it's just as powerful today as when he gave it, because his spirit makes it so. His spirit makes it as applicable today as in the day of Jeremiah. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We read these words. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Oh, my goodness, I'm glad he didn't stop there. If he stopped there, we might as well fold up. If he stopped there, we might as well quit. But he didn't stop there. He says, but be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers with themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Has he left out anybody here? <coughs> no. And he said, no one has that. He's going to make it. I'm glad he didn't stop there. There's a fountain. There's a fountain. He goes on to say here, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, what a clean fountain. Totally clean. He has washed his people from their sins, loosed them from their sins in his own blood. He took and plunged us deep into the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritually, he took us and bowed us down into that blood of his son and washed us and cleansed us. And when we came out, that blood was still just as holy as it ever was. And it's represented here in the book of Revelation by a sea as clear as glass clear as a crystal, and not one taint of humanity is left in it. He completely purged us and purged it. He came out just as holy, just as righteous, just as godly as when he laid it down on our behalf. Oh, he is the Son of God, and he sits down at the right hand of the Father, and to us, that is a representation that the Father was well pleased and accepted the sacrifice and the fountain is clean. No dirt left behind. Paid for in full. Complete. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians 5, as we think about this fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. 
How glorious God has provided for us. Not one thing is left out. We have everything that we need. Everything that's required has been provided. And he gives it to us in the person of Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5, and there in verse 25, we read these words. Ephesians 5, in verse 25, the scriptures share this about the Lord Jesus in the picture. He said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Can't get any better than that. Without spot, without wrinkle. <coughs> He's going to present his church in that way. Or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's what God does with his people and for his people. And does it by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cleanses us from all sin. Makes it spotless. Makes us spotless. And the blood of Jesus Christ is no worse off for doing it. It's still holy and without blame before him in love. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Well, let's back up to verse 12 there. That's, that's such a good verse. <laughs> Neither by the blood of bulls, goats and calves... There's such a valuable verse here. The Old Testament people were never cleansed by the blood of goats and calves. No. Now, if they had any goat sin or calf sin, it might have, but it didn't take care of their human sin. We needed a better representative. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, Having obtained eternal redemption for us. How could he do that? Obtain eternal redemption. He had to pay all the sin debt. That's the only way he could obtain eternal redemption for us. It wasn't a day or a month or a year or 50 years. In the Old Testament, every 50 years, they had the year of Jubilee. This is better than that. All the property reverted to the original owners. This is better than that. It's better than 50 years. It's eternal, this blood-bought redemption that we have in Christ. If, verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much better is this? My goodness, that was cleansing to the flesh. This is cleansing to the soul. This is cleansing to every sin that was an offense to God, and every sin is an offense to God. He is the offended party. We're the offending party. And he said, by my blood, I'll cleanse you from every sin. And the pool won't be any worse for it. It will be clear as crystal when we look upon it. And we're going to fall down and worship the one that gave us the fountain over this. And then it tells us in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 7. 
Now, I read one time this should be since we walk in the light instead of but if. Because I'm sorry to say, those translators, they just did not believe in eternal security. So they had to add a little bit in here once in a while to make it up to us. Well, that's not God's way. Since we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know what the church says when those words are read out loud? Amen. I love it. It is joy to my soul to know that this fountain was the fountain that cleanseth us from all sin. And turn with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. Jumping ahead just a little bit here in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 13, we read these wonderful words. And it says here, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation. And pretty soon someone's going to pop them. See, I told you there, Daniel says it's going to be great tribulation. That's not what it's talking about. This is talking about the tribulation of our Savior on the cross. These have come through that tribulation in Christ Jesus because it goes on to say it have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is Christ's tribulation on our behalf. And we were with him and in him when he went through it. And every saint has come out of that great tribulation and their garments and themselves are washed white in the blood of the Lamb. My goodness, tell people in Russia not in tribulation. Christians in Russia, they're not in tribulation. They've been in tribulation. People in America have been in tribulation. It's, going to, it's all over. There's people in great tribulation. But this is the great tribulation. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the greatest tribulation this world has ever heard, is the Son of God saying those words from the cross. I'm thankful just prior to that, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he said just after that, Father, I commend my spirit into thy hands. But there for that moment, he's out of fellowship with the Father in greatest tribulation this world has ever seen. In fact, we couldn't see it because a great period of darkness came upon the earth. And every one of God's people was in Christ on that cross in that same tribulation. And when we come out, oh. What's it say there? It says, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And then, Revelation 22. Ooh, we're jumping over here. Look at this. Showed me a pure river of water of life. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. Showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. What a wonderful, wonderful river of life. The blood of Jesus Christ. And after washing all his people, and the numbers of those people are a number which no man can number. That's what the scriptures tell us. Now he knows the number, but no man can number. We don't know the number. I was reading over there in Ezekiel tonight, and I was looking for a passage of Scripture 
We went through that, or someone read that about, he sent someone through town, he says, put a mark on some people that mourn for their sins. And then he told someone else, you go through and kill everybody in town, but you leave those with the mark alone. I said, oh, what a beautiful picture of God choosing out his people. They've got a mark God can see, a number that no man can number. And all of them have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and that fountain is as clean when all of them come out as when it was started because the blood of Jesus Christ is so efficacious, so effectual that nobody's sin will be left behind that he took them through. Now, a whole bunch of people, they pass by this fountain. They don't want in this fountain. They're not brought to this fountain, and their sins are upon them. And when God says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you, they've never been taken down to the fountain of the blood of the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their sins are upon them, and they'll spend eternity without God, without hope, without salvation and they'll deal with their own sin for eternity but all his saints have been taken down one at a time and as a church brought down to this blood revelation 22 1 showed me a pure river of water let's go back there to revelation chapter chapter 4 verse uh, verse 6 before the throne was a and this is this is not for god's benefit my goodness this is for our benefit this is for us this is for the church this is for Abel this is for Solomon this is for David this is for Joshua and Caleb this is for all the saints throughout all time this is the, this is the 24 elders the church old economy and new economy everlasting covenant economy this is for everyone that Christ has brought in. He said here, look at this. A sea of glass like in the crystal in the midst of the throne. Sea of glass. Clear. No, it, it's not translucent. It's not like that glass you have in, in the shower room. It, this is clear glass. We think glass in a window is clear. This is clear glass. Oh, this is clearer than any water you've ever had. And every one of God's people have been taken through this fountain and they came out washed and cleansed from their sin in his own blood. And that fountain is still as clean as when he began it. You'd think someone like Saul of Tarsus would tarnish this water. No, it's efficacious. It completely takes care of every sin of all of God's people. And he says, we'll stand before him without spot and without wrinkle. There won't be a wrinkle in the righteousness that we have and we'll not have a sin upon us. Now, I thought we'd have time to go to the four living creatures, but we're not. So we'll stop. Four living creatures. It says there in the latter part of verse 6, it says, And round about the throne were four beasts, four living creatures, full of eyes before and behind. Now, we'll just say this about them. They got 20-20 vision in every direction. That way and that way. Now, our vision is only that way. 
We don't know what the next second's going to bring out this way, but they do. I look at these as just the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ declared in these picture forms. The gospel, the Savior declared, the good news about our Savior. And it's their business to declare it. Now, I might say this. Open that Bible one more time. Chapter 4. And it says here, in verse 8, latter part of verse 8, this is what they say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when these creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth in the forever and ever, the church, the four and twenty elders, fall down uh, before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. When the gospel praises God, so does the church. When God's word praises God, so does the church. When the word of God says, Lord God Almighty, so says the church. We agree. We're in total agreement with the gospel, the good news, and every bit of word of God. There is no conflict. There is no sassing God and saying, I don't believe that. We say, I may not understand it, but I believe it. And if we miss rule number one, read rule number two, and go back to rule number one, it says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. 